Stand with me for the reverence of reading God's Word. Coming to you this morning out of Galatians 4, we're going to be starting a new series this morning entitled Upside Down Kingdom. How many of you know that you're called for more than just being a church attender? You were born to be a part of a kingdom, not just a kingdom, any kingdom, but the King of Kings kingdom, the kingdom of our God. Come on, somebody. We're going to be starting this new series this morning. I want to break down some elementary teachings to you. And over the next several weeks, I will be teaching and preaching and instructing you on what it means to truly be a citizen of the kingdom of our God. What does it look like? How do we manifest the kingdom of God? It is the single most preached message that Jesus came preaching. He preached about the kingdom of God. So much so, he wrote a whole sermon on the mount. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, Moses went to the mountain to speak with God and to hear God. But the Bible said that he couldn't come to God face to face for the glory of God would kill Moses. Catch this. Moses went up on the mountain, but the multitude couldn't. In Matthew chapter 5, we find God in the flesh. And guess where he is again? He's on a mountain. And this mountain that he is speaking from would become one of Jesus' most professed sermons called the Sermon on the Mount. But now would not it be just one man coming to speak with God face to face, but it would be a multitude. Some 5,000 people were called to the mountain that day where God himself in the flesh began to speak. And guess what Jesus taught on? He taught on the kingdom of God. We're going to break down. We're going to look at things like the element, elementary teachings that are going to become life transformational to you that if you will institute the things of what I'm teaching, I'm telling you your life will be completely and radically changed because what we're going to do is we're going to move from just a church mentality to a kingdom mandate. I'm going to be starting a new series also next Wednesday that I want you to come be a part of. This is a series that I've sensed in the spirit for the last couple weeks and it is called Offense. And I want to be talking to you about Satan's snare because there's people, listen to me, you've got a mandate, you've got a kingdom mandate, but guess what the enemy does? The enemy will put an offense in your life to keep you from walking in God's plan. So honestly, these two series are going to go hand in hand because if the enemy can ever offend you, he can't kill you, but he can offend you. And if he can offend you, you will walk away from the things that God has for you. So Wednesday night, this Wednesday, we'll be starting that new series called Offense. Satan's snare, so I encourage you to come back. Be with us on Wednesday. How many of you are here on Wednesdays and love what God's doing on Wednesdays? Amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 4, we're going with the upside down kingdom this morning. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Thank you that as the word of God comes into this room, people are being changed. People are being set free. Minds are being renewed. Peace is descending. Burdens are being lifted. Father, I thank you that the renewing of the mind and the transforming of lives happens at the preaching and declaring of your word. Father, we ask this morning that our fleshly minds would take on the mind of Christ, that that mind which is in Christ, so also would it be in us. 
And God, that we would understand that you don't move the way we move, that your ways are not our ways and they're far too great for us to understand. God, therefore, I ask that you would give ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church, and we call ears to be open now in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that each and every one under the sound of my voice right now hears the word of the Lord. And because they hear it, it will become life, it will become light, and it will become love and purpose in their lives, God. We thank you for it now in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church said amen, amen and amen. You may be seated all over the house. Galatians chapter 4 tells us that at the set time, at the appointed time, at a time that had never been before, that would never be again, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law. His name was? Jesus came not just at any time, he came at a set time. Because Jesus came not just to establish and build his church, he came to establish and declare the kingdom of God. What was the set time? What was so set about the time when Jesus came? Why did Jesus come when he came? Why didn't he come now? We look at our world now and I would say, man, if there was ever a time that we should see Jesus, it would be now. But I came to tell you, actually, Jesus came at the perfect time. It was the set time. Why was it the set time? Because it was at that time that there was an empire, a kingdom in the realm of the earth called the Roman Empire under the rule of a man by Caesar. And so God sent his son at a set time. The set time was when there was a kingdom in the earth that reflected the kingdom of our God. What was the Roman uh, Empire? What was the Roman kingdom about? Let me tell you what it was. Other than any other empire of its time, the Roman Empire did not go out and captivate people and bring them back to Rome and convert them. The Roman Empire went into realms and regions and territories, and guess what they did? They took Rome with them. And all of a sudden, every territory and every area where they went, they took and converted it to Rome. It's why Jerusalem was under the rule of Rome. It's the reason why you had religious crowds having to consult with Roman leaders. Why? Because Rome had come in and dominated and decimated the area to be under rule, Roman rule. Okay, now watch. In church, we have a mentality that we've got to get people into heaven. Ah, I'm going to help some people's theology. It was never God's plan for you to get people into heaven. Mm. God's plan since the foundation of the earth was to get heaven inside of you. Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Notice how Jesus did not come preaching and saying, oh, that you would get to heaven. The church developed songs like, oh, when we all get to heaven, everyone will be happy over there. Let me tell you something first off about that song. Not everybody's going to heaven. And not everyone's going to be happy over there. There is a place called hell where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the worm never dies, where the heat is so hot that the body wants to melt but yet cannot be destroyed. 
And so what we must understand is God not, did not just come to save us, but to set us free. He did not just call us to come to heaven. Is there a heaven that we will go to? Absolutely. But there is also a day that heaven and earth will pass away and the kingdom of our God will be amongst the men. And guess what? The Bible says that we will rule and reign with him. Oh, y'all didn't read about that part in Sunday school. But what we've done is we've created a culture in the church to make you think that you're dependent upon an institution. You're not going to hear very many preachers preach this because if they do, they're afraid that you may find out who you really are and leave. But see, you were never created for an institution. You were made to be a citizen of a kingdom. It's so much more than just church, y'all. Matter of fact, the whole idea of church, it actually roots from a Greek word called ecclesia. Do you know where the word ecclesia came from? It didn't come from God on a mountain. It didn't come from, from some religious term. Actually, the term ecclesia was used by Rome. It was what they called their senate. Y'all know those corrupt people we got up in Washington, the senate? Yeah. Roman, Rome had one of them too. Let me tell you something about the Senate, though. What is the Senate's job? The Senate's job is to create and establish law. Go back to Galatians 4 so we can begin to tie this thing together. This is some teaching that the church needs. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law. Jesus said to Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus looks back at Peter and says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And upon this rock I will build my, guess what he said? He didn't say church. He said ecclesia. He said, upon this rock I will establish my senate. Mm. I will establish my assembly of people that begin to build law. Mm. God sent Jesus just at the right time, at an appointed time, at a time when there was a great earthly kingdom, a kingdom that could not be duplicated anywhere else in the realm of the earth. It was a set kingdom. God used the Roman kingdom, the Roman empire, to be a pattern for, that, was, that was conducive for what his kingdom would look like. And see, what we've done is we've created a culture in church that says we've got to get people into church. And wow, that's important in invitations. But let me tell you something. God's mandate is so much bigger than getting people into a building. The mandate that God has in the earth is getting heaven inside of the people. And when you get people inside of a building that all got heaven inside of them, then all of a sudden there's an explosion of the glory of God. Why is church is dead? I'll tell you why some churches are dead. They ain't got no heaven in them. Too many people trying to get to heaven. We need a church that says heaven come. So the Roman Senate was called the Ecclesia, a Greek word that literally means assembly and called out ones 
We just finished a series entitled Mega Church. It was Mega Ecclesia, Mega Assembly, Mega Called Out Ones. It's the understanding. It's so much more than a building. It's a mandate. One of the five pillars of Dominion Church is kingdom mandated. What's that mean? It means that we will not just do church. It means that we really believe Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. But guess what? We also understand that there is a religious spirit that would love to just think it is about church. But what you need to understand, this is not just a gathering where you come and feel good and, and, and you get some tears and you're like, oh, glory to God, God was in church today. No. This is a government, governmental meeting happening right now. Oh, y'all never heard it like that, huh? This is a governmental meeting. What does that happen? What does that mean happens? There are literal laws in the spirit that are being made when we gather and worship. Oh, my God. There are principalities getting locked up while we worship. Why? Because the ecclesia is in session. And when we begin to worship and we begin to war in the spirit, all of a sudden the arresting angels go out in the region and they begin to lock up the spirit of addiction. They begin to lock up the spirit of perversion. They begin to lock up the spirit of molestation. And all of a sudden the governmental meeting is in session and the king of kings and lord of lords is being lifted up. It's not just church. It's a high-intensity governmental meeting. Here's a prophecy for you. There is coming a day where the sons of Greece will collide with the sons of Zion. What's that mean? That's the scripture I'm quoting. There is coming a day where the government of this world is going to collide with the government of our God. And it will be the greatest hour of church persecution that we have ever seen. But hear me, it is not coming after religion. It is coming after kingdom-mandated citizens. Notice, when Jesus, Jesus talked to Peter about building his church, he used the word ecclesia, the same word that Caesar used when talking about his governing assembly. Jesus said, and on this rock, I will build my ecclesia. He came at an appointed time, a time where he could look at his disciples and say, hey, you see how the Roman soldiers, they go out? And when they go out, they don't captivate people to come back to Rome. They take Rome with them. Guess what they were called? They were called apostles. Oh, where have we heard that term from? Y'all didn't know we conducted Sunday school at 11 o'clock, huh? Y'all learning something today. The people that were sent out, ambassadors, the ambassadors of Rome that, that were called apostles, what they did is they carried the kingdom rule of, of, of Rome upon them, and everywhere where they went, they brought Rome with them. They established Roman law. They established Roman rule. And guess what else? They began to establish Roman currency. And all of a sudden, areas all throughout the region began to look like Rome, feel like Rome. Huh. It's where the saying came, as in Rome, in Rome, do as the Romans do. Why'd they say that? Because everywhere Rome was, Rome came. Okay, hear this. God's plan for your life was never just to go get a bunch of people and bring them to Jesus. The Bible is clear that Jesus sent out his apostles. 
his ambassadors of his kingdom. And guess what the Bible said? As they sent out, and when they went out, they laid hands on the sick and saw them recover. They saw dead people raised. They saw lame men walk. And the Bible says that when they came back, they came back rejoicing and said, Jesus, even the devils are subject to us. Even the devils are, are, are being cast out. And Jesus said, rejoice not that devils are subject to you, but rather rejoice for your name is written down in the land book of life for I saw Satan falling as an angel as lightning hitting the earth what did he say you just went out and brought the kingdom of God with you we call it kingdom you know because we can get three churches together oh it's a real kingdom minded ministry because we got like three different churches that come together no bro that doesn't mean that your kingdom that means you understand unity. The kingdom looks like devils getting their tail beat. The kingdom looks like dead people being raised. The kingdom looks like Jesus being high and lifted up. The kingdom looks like not us trying to get to heaven, but heaven coming to earth that we begin to see a shift in the region. This assembly is so much more than church. How did you know that the kingdom of Rome had come? Maybe you would ask. Well, well, how do you know if you're in a region and the kingdom of Rome had come? Let me share something very powerful with you. Because common Roman law would have been that when Rome went in and overthrew an area, they would take the image of their king, Caesar, and they would print him on their currency. So if you knew you were in a region under Roman law, the image of the king would be on the currency. You knew you were in a region that was under the kingdom rule of Rome because the image of the king would be printed on the currency. In the world's kingdom, they would place the image of the king on what they thought was valuable currency watch this how do you know the kingdom of God has come because he takes his image and puts it on his most valuable possession how do you know that you're in a ministry how do you know that you're in a region that is under the kingdom rule of Jesus I'll tell you why because the most valuable possession it's not money baby it's sitting on these seats right now all of a sudden he begins to stamp them with the image of God all of a sudden we begin to look like Jesus all of a sudden we begin to talk like Jesus all of a sudden we lay hands on the sick and see them recover just like Jesus how do we know the kingdom of God has come? I'll tell you why. Because when you get into a service like this, you see the image of God. How do you know your life is being transformed by the, by, by, by the kingdom of God? I'll tell you how. All of a sudden, your marriage has an image of the kingdom. All of a sudden, your children begin to take on citizenship of kingdom citizenship. Hence the name Kingdom Kids. Oh, it's all starting to come together now, preacher. Thank you. The Bible declares that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Watch this in Philippians 3 and 20. I'm not going to be long today. We've got people who want to be baptized. Philippians 3 and 20, y'all have it? Come on. 
Maybe someday. 320 through 21. Philippians 320 through 21. Glory to God. Pull it through. Do I have to go there? It's a good thing I'm teaching and I'm not preaching. Glory. Philippians 3.20. There we go. Watch this. Paul teaching to the church in Philippi and he tells them this. But our citizenship is in heaven. And watch this. Watch this. Watch. He did not talk like a future event that was coming. Someday our citizenship will be in heaven. No, he said, but our citizenship is. It was a word of possession to say that it is not something that is coming in the future. It is something that is now. Watch this, because I'm going to help some people. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you some information. Jesus, the Savior, had already come. And when he came, we inherited the right to be called the children of God. To those that received him, to them, he gave the right to be called the children of God. So when we became children of God, watch this, all of a sudden we became citizens of heaven. When you got born again, my God, I'm, I'm helping some church folk out today. When you got born again, you did not just get born to be a part of Dominion Church. You got born to be a part of a kingdom that was not in this world, but you were called to bring it. Now watch. Watch. When I traveled recently, I say recently, it was what, 10 years ago, we went to Brazil to build a church. When I went to Brazil, Jamie and I had to have something. It was called a passport. The passport was legal documentation of my citizenship. Now watch this, my God. Everywhere I went, I was required to have this passport so that I had legal right in the region, even though, catch this, I was not a citizen of South America or Brazil. I was a citizen of the United States, but yet my citizenship allowed me to still be a citizen. Watch. When I went into Brazil, I did not become a citizen of Brazil. I still was a United States citizen in another country called Brazil. Listen to me. Some of you think because you're in the world, you have to be a citizen of the world. But Philippians just told you, you got a passport that you can be in this world and still be a citizen. When the church begins to understand that we are just pilgrims passing through, that this world is not our home, that we are citizens of another kingdom. Just because I'm in this world doesn't mean that I got to be a citizen of it. I can still belong to the kingdom of God. And if I belong to the kingdom of God, guess what? The kingdom of God has legal right in my life. If I got locked up in Brazil, my home country could be the only governmenting authority to come get me. 
Boy, y'all get your steak knives out because there's some meat for you this morning. You've been sucking milk long enough. Catch this. Some of you are locked up. Some of you were locked up in another country. You were bound by a spirit of addiction. You were bound by a spirit of, of, of jealousy. You were bound. You were captivated. You were locked up in a country. You were locked up in a place that you did not belong. But I came to tell you this morning that the king of glory, he came in to where you were and he said, let them loose. Set them free. Let them go. Why? Because he was the only one that had the governmental right to release you from the place where you were locked up. You know what it's called? It's called being pardoned. He set you free. The day that the church realizes we're not just in this world, we're not citizens of it that we are literally pilgrims passing through, guess what happens? All of a sudden, the law of the realm of earth no longer, it, it, it no longer holds us captive. Some of you have been fighting with depression. Why? <laughs> the kingdom of God does not have the expression of depression, but of joy, peace, power, love in the Holy Ghost. Some of you have been wrestling with snares of the enemy. Why? Because the kingdom of God said that he would break the snare of the fowler and like birds we would be set free. What happens when we understand that yes, we're in this world, but the kingdom of God is alive in us. This is why Jesus, when he taught his disciples, he taught them to pray, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Jesus teaching his disciples to pray. What, how did he teach them to pray? He said, this is then how you should pray. Somebody say, this is how we should pray. Before we do this, I do want to tell you, though, this is how we do pray. God, please help me. I need that raise. I need that bonus. Please, God. God, please quit making them talk about me. God, will you please just touch my kids? Will you please just touch my marriage? Will you please, please, please? We come to God with a beggar mentality because we don't understand our identity. I don't have to go to my daddy and beg about anything. Because my daddy loves me, all I got to do is go to him. I remember when I was broke, running on hard times, I didn't even usually have to go to my daddy. My daddy just knew something was going on in my life, and he called me up and said, son, you need 50 bucks to get you through? Yeah, yeah, I need 50 bucks to get me through. Why? Because my daddy knew me and knew when I needed something before I ever even asked. There's a scripture that says that he knows what we have need of before we ever even ask, but we have not because we ask not. Too many of us have taken on a beggar mentality when he called us to be sons, and a lot of times God has exactly what you need. He's just waiting for you to say, Lord, my marriage, fix it now in the name of Jesus. Raise my kids up to be mighty men and women of God now in the name of Jesus. David said, 
in Psalms that God is awaiting men to command him. Oh, how contrary that is. In church, you're like, you were taught, you don't, never, you don't never command God to do nothing. No, let me tell you something. God won't do anything without his people first petitioning it. God's already done and established everything. What he's waiting for is a word in the realm of the earth to say, heaven, come, thy will be done. I'm not saying that you command God in an aggressive tone like he's some child that you're telling. you What you got to understand is it's like picking up 911, calling the police, and all of a sudden authority shows up at your door. When you begin to pray, you call on the authority of heaven. The king of glory comes, and he comes to your situation. He comes to your circumstance. He rescues you. He says, you free so when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray he said this then is how you should pray our father in heaven holy hallowed be your name now watch in verse 10 your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven we're too busy praying God please please Oh, God, have pity on me, please. God, look what they did to me. But really what we should be praying is, God, you're holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God's not looking to manifest on the grass at the park. He's looking to manifest in your life. You are the dirt that God wants to make his glory be revealed in. Genesis said that God took man and formed him from the dust of the, the, dust of the earth. Guess what? Jesus said when we would pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God is looking to manifest his presence in your life. He is wanting his kingdom to come in your life because if the kingdom of God comes in your life, everything that is attached to the kingdom comes with it. Stand with me all over the house. Musicians, come on. Do you know what Jesus' Jesus's mission was? His mission was to seek and save that which was... Y'all read your Bibles? To seek and save that which was... To seek and save that which was, to seek and save that which was, watch this. Jesus' mission was to seek, save something that was lost. It's the whole reason why I came. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Have you ever questioned lost from what? What are you lost from? What are you lost from? We, see, you got to understand the magnitude of what I'm about to say. So many times in church, we take on these sayings and we don't even know what we're saying. Well, I was lost and the Lord found me. What were you lost from? Oh, I feel that. What were you lost from? 
Man, I was lost when the Lord found me. What were you lost from? Luke 15, verse 8. Grammy, what's at your feet? Luke 15 and verse 8. 8 through 10 says this. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Verse 9, and when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors and together says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels, of God, over one sinner who repents. Amen. Watch this. Verse 8 says that the woman had a coin and she lost it. What are you lost from? You're lost from your rightful place. It's not that God never did own you. It's that God owned you, but sin dropped you. Sin pushed you, and all of a sudden, in the spirit, I hear a coin rolling across hardwood floors this morning. And all of a sudden, for the kingdom of God, is like a woman who has a coin, and losing that coin, she begins to turn on a light, she begins to sweep the house. She's sweeping the house, and the reason why is because she is trying to find what was lost. Listen to me. What God is doing in this hour is he is sweeping the house because there is something that rightfully belongs to him. There is someone here that is rightfully his. It's not that, that, it's not that you're messed up. It's not that you're too far. It's the fact that you were his, but you've been lost. And God's turning on a light this morning. And he's looking for you. And he's letting you know that you've got a purpose, you've got a mandate, you've got a reason, you've got, you've got, you've got, you've got so much more inside of you. But what you need to realize is that something happened and you got lost along the way. People did things to you and you got dropped and, 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 and things were said and all of a sudden you began to roll away from God. And all of a sudden, the spirit this morning, there's a sweeping taking place in the house. There's a sweeping taking place in the house. For the kingdom of God is as a woman that lost a coin. And all of a sudden, she begins to sweep the whole house. She turns on a light looking for that coin. And when she finds it, when she finds it, there's rejoicing that takes place in the presence of angels. Every head bowed, every eye closed, you're here this morning. And you would say, Preacher, I feel lost. I feel like I was made for a whole nother world. I, I don't feel like I fit in. I go to the bar, I begin to drink, I get drunk, I get to a place where I feel like it was gonna fulfill a void only to wake up empty again. I go home, I get high, I smoke a blunt, I sniff a lot, I do something and I think it's gonna fulfill a void only to find out I'm empty. I sleep around, I mess around, 
I'm involved in gambling. I'm involved in, in, in just all kind of crazy living. But as I'm doing these things, preacher, what I feel like is I feel like I've been lost. I feel like I was made for a better, grander reason, and I don't feel like I've found my purpose. Can I tell you this morning, for the kingdom of God is like a coin that falls, and when it falls and hits the floor, there comes the spirit, the helper, the sweeper of the house. His name is the Holy Spirit, and he begins to sweep over people's lives. He begins to pull you out from under the weight, from up underneath the hiding place where you've been. And the Bible says, when she finds the coin, there is rejoicing that takes place in the presence of angels. What are you lost from? You're lost from a kingdom that you belong to. This is your kingdom call. Come home. Come home. Every head bowed, every eye closed, you're here this morning. And as I'm preaching and saying what I'm saying, you're saying, preacher, that's me. Your words are like a broom. They're sweeping over me. Will you come to this altar right now? Come, come if that's you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Come, 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 come. You're saying I'm lost. I'm undone. There's a sweeping in the spirit that's taking place. Come on, celebrate with me as they come. Come on, there's more in this room right now. You're here this morning. You're here this morning. Come on, brother. There's room. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come. The spirit is sweeping in this house. The Spirit is sweeping in this house. The Spirit is sweeping in this house. Come on, worship team, let's go. There's more here. There's more here. Let's go. There's more here. I'm telling you, I hear and feel the sweeping of the Spirit of God. He is calling you. He is pulling you. Don't you push off the Spirit of God. If you're here, come, 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 come. Come, 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 come. That's the sweeping. That's the sweeping. Come, 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 come. Senior leadership team, if I could get you to come pray with these that are on the altar.